0: How are you guys? I am doing great and I have a great guest today. I'm so excited for you to meet her and listen to her. Her name is Courtney Giles. So we're gonna get right to that. All right. All right. We don't play around here. We get right to it. We have uh, Courtney Gills here. She is running for Congress in North Carolina's sixth district. And you're going to correct me if I got any of that wrong, right? <laughs> yes, that was all perfect. Thanks for having me on, Elsa. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Now, so a quick, quick check in on this. If I read right, um, there, this is a new district because of redistricting, yes? Yeah, North Carolina's
1: a whole cluster right now. It is technically a new district. It was District 4, which was the incumbent is David Price, who is retiring, thankfully. A lot of people want him out. So he's retiring, and it's now District 6, which is most of the same counties. It's Orange County, Durham County, and then a piece of Wake County in North Carolina. Generally a pretty blue district, but I think there's definitely room for movement there. Um, But North Carolina, unfortunately, has uh, a lot of lawsuits going on, and they have pushed our primary out from March to May, and now as of a couple days ago to June, because the Democrats say there's gerrymandering. But as you well know, if you look at something like Illinois, that's true gerrymandering. Um, If you look at our maps, I think that they look relatively fair. But the Democrats Mm -hmm. don't like it, and our Supreme Court is run by Democrats, so it should be an interesting... Turn out to
0: what happens with that? Absolutely, and this is so indicative of of what's going on across the country with the. I just lost some lighting here, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> indicative of what's going on across the country with you know every time the Democrats don't like something, they they want to change all of the rules and and rewrite all of the rules. So no surprise there. Um, so I, I love hearing the backstories of how people got to where they are. Now your background is in nursing. You're, are you currently a nurse? I'm not working right now. I was a travel nurse
1: for probably five years, but the last contract I was working was this past summer. So,
0: okay. And so nursing politics, not quite the same lane, right? So what, what was the. Yeah. What was the trigger? What sparked the, you know, that this is the moment that right now is the time that I need to do this? What was it for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's a buildup there related to nursing that you see in the hospitals where administrations for the past few years have really prioritized profits over quality patient care. And I've seen that in a multitude of examples at my job where, something that administration a decision that they make is directly affecting how I'm able to give quality care at the bedside, whether that's staffing, whether that's materials, whether that's hours, Um, it's just really, or even teams that they've cut out that were really helpful to quality. That was kind of something that was really starting to get at me as really a patient advocate, which is what all nurses should be. I really can't stand bad patient care. And so I've seen this trend in the hospital that way And now I would say in the past year, maybe even two years, there's this trend where the federal government is making similar decisions from a high level and making executive orders and laws that directly affect our quality of life on the ground. And they're made from so high up that these people are so disconnected with real life that they don't even know how to make decisions for real people. And we need to bring down that power of the federal government. And I would say that's like the overarching theme of the buildup, but... Uh, backstory that I'm guessing you don't know is my husband, kind of a long story, but he ended up being the lead data expert on the Trump versus Raffensburger case in Georgia with election integrity. Mm-hmm. So we were seeing real data. He was running the data. He was producing the data. And that was not what was being given to the public. So I think just the idea of censorship and the things that we're seeing, how Google is just taking things down where you can't even find it. Um, was incredibly irritating around that time and me being in the hospital with COVID and seeing how that was really just being politicized so badly and the CDC was changing their mind on recommendations and giving bad recommendations half the time or telling something that was going on in the hospital that wasn't actually going on in the hospital was infuriating to me. And I would say the straw that broke the camel's back was uh, both my parents are respiratory therapists. So if you don't really know what that job is, it's pretty much a nurse that just deals with breathing. They're not a nurse, but they kind of function similarly, but only deal with the respiratory system. So they are on the front lines of the front lines of COVID. Every single dying COVID patient, my parents are taking care of them. And they were both told on the same day with different hospital systems in North Carolina, Duke and UNC, for those of you who are local, that they were going to lose their jobs if they didn't take the vaccine. And I would say that was the point at which Courtney got very mad and realize, you know what, we cannot keep taking this from the federal government. They cannot keep mandating things and telling us what we're going to do with our medical care. At a certain point, it's your health over, you know, that, that's really the only thing. It's funny working in the hospital. People can talk the talk all day and be confident as all get out and make tons of money, but the second they get a cancer diagnosis or they get a lupus diagnosis, their whole world has changed. And we cannot mm-hmm. continue to allow the federal government to affect our health care this way.
0: That's so true. And, and you see these and hear these awful stories of people with um, not non-COVID issues, like things like cancer and uh, other serious conditions and ailments and they're not getting the treatment, they're either not seeking the treatment, if they're unvaccinated, they're afraid to go to these hospitals because of the uh, responses from the staffing um, or from really administration and not allowing them care or denying them care, I should say, Uh, you just hear these insane stories. Now, in your experience with the nurses that you've been involved with and doctors and general staff, Is there, is it split down the middle? Is there more people that are against the vaccines? Like what what has the climate been like? Yeah, I was actually really surprised
1: when the vaccine rolled out, how quickly the healthcare community just jumped on that. And to be honest, from my perspective, I think there's a high burnout rate with COVID. There was already a high burnout rate in the healthcare field. But they had been working their tails off, trying to take care of these people. And this was kind of a beacon of hope, a beacon of light, especially for people who are not Christians. I think that if you're not a Christian, and I am, there's this fear of dying that's just deep within someone that if there's some ticket out of death, they're going to take it. And unfortunately, our world is trending that way that's very not God-honoring and not Christian. And so a lot of people are terrified of death and think anyone who doesn't care about other people dying acutely, they just don't care about other people. Um, And so I think that the initial response was gravitating significantly toward the vaccine. And I even had a coworker the first week was like, well, Courtney, don't you believe the science? And I was like, you just made that political. Thank you. Of course, I believe the science. I don't believe in political science necessarily, but I believe in biology (laughs) and chemistry and I'm using yes. my own scientific yeah. brain to make my decisions. So mm-hmm. um, I think that, unfortunately, the the medical, especially people who've been to the ER, and I'm, I'm an emergency room nurse generally. I've worked a couple other kind of jobs, but that's usually where I land. And there definitely have been a lot of stories that I've heard from people that have come in as a patient and been yelled at by the healthcare workers in the emergency room for not getting the vaccine. And I think that is disgusting and i think mm-hmm. that people will say you know maybe that's a form of non compliance but we deal with non compliant patients all the time mm-hmm. that's literally what we are bread and butter of the hospital is people who are non compliant mm-hmm. with their healthcare routine they're not taking their hypertension medicines they're not taking their diabetic medications both of those reasons can put them on dialysis Then they don't go to their dialysis and then they're admitted to the hospital because they need that help. So the idea that healthcare workers don't want to take care of people because they could have prevented being sick is absurd. And so Mm -hmm. I think unfortunately our healthcare workers are going towards the vaccine, but I also know, and I'm sure you understand this as a conservative, you're just not allowed to talk anymore. So I think there's a lot of people who are not in agreement with the way things are going that are in the hospital, but they need to keep their jobs and they have to keep their mouth shut.
0: Yeah, that's exact. I tell you, boy, you made so many phenomenal points, so accurate on all of them too. And, and that is, that is such a huge factor in this, that people who at their core, their belief system um, tells them, and their common sense tells them that this is wrong. Yet, they are, you know, understandably, they're like, this is my livelihood. I don't really they don't see themselves as having a choice because they see themselves as just one person. And of course, a person with bills to pay and family to take care of and, you know, mortgages to pay and all those things. So they can't afford to lose their job. They feel like they can't afford to take that stand. And that is truly it truly is appalling that people are sacrificing uh, their values and, and, and their health, really um for the sake of going along because they feel like they have no choice um it, it's I tell you and the hypocrisy of everything of course all of these things are so I, I think I can speak for so many conservatives when I say I am just awestruck in a terrible way at how quickly um this has happened and you and you made a really great point too about um the the fear of death has overruled our our core need for freedom, um, freedom of of choice. And you're right. You're absolutely right. Fear has fear of death has dominated the conversation. And the people who masterminded this, um, they are brilliant in the most evil way. Uh, And it's terrifying. And, And I have to thank you and people like you who have decided to really, truly step up and say, not on my watch. I'm not going to allow it. Um, It's incredibly brave because your opposition is huge. Yeah. Um, You know, I,
1: I really appreciate that. I think that there's some interesting, you know, dynamic there that I think that that idea of just not being able to talk and not feeling like you can talk, we're really trending toward a path that people are just not standing up, like you said, For freedom, but I also think that that lingo and those words that just like you kind of touched on, um, that just idea of people, you know, keeping people safe. Well, that's a great Mm -hmm. slogan. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There's Mm -hmm. also this idea of, you know, you don't want to die. Okay, well, let's play off of that for a second. Mm -hmm. Do you Mm -hmm. also want to, when you actually do have a heart attack, like you said, or you do have colon cancer? Or you actually have something, you know, I had a job before COVID, you know, we have, I, I joke, my husband's an accountant, and I'm a nurse, he works, and he doesn't actually work in taxes, but he could work in taxes, mm-hmm. and I technically work in death. And that's the only, it's the only ultimate thing that never stops is death and taxes. And so, <laughs> you know, when You're it right. comes to hospitals, it's like, they are just going down, down, down when it comes to quality and when it comes to staffing. And what people don't realize is they think this COVID vaccine is the end all be all. Well, guess what? You're going to lose so many healthcare workers. You've already lost so many healthcare workers. They're starting to put people in roles that are not qualified. They're putting nursing, brand new nursing grads. This Mm -hmm. is a true story. I have, I'm not going to tell you who told me this because I don't want to get that person in trouble, but they have Brand new nursing grads who have been trained very quickly in the ICU, and these are in top level hospitals who are now training new, new grads in the, and emer- not in the emergency room, I'm sure that's happening too, but the, in the ICU. And this is yeah. like high level stuff. So you think you're getting this quality patient care because you're in the ICU and you have a one-on-one nurse. Well, when that one-on-one nurse just got out of nursing school, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but you're not getting quality care and your grandma or your mom or your daughter is going to die because right. you pushed people out of their jobs that could give you that quality care. And so maybe we need to turn the script around and say, you know, death is a big deal, but we need to pay mm-hmm. attention to what we're doing to the hospital system right now with the decisions that our government is making that is going to hurt people in the future
0: when it comes to them being hospitalized. Absolutely. It's it's just incredible. And it's so mind blowing. And of course, you just touched on it that, you know, the irony of ironies here is that they fired healthy good nurses and staff hospital staff because they were unvaccinated and now we have you know a shortage of nurses and now you know now as you're saying we basically have less than fully qualified nurses doing jobs that they should not be doing and you know it's obviously a recipe for disaster and you know the people who pay for that are are the patients you know, and they're unwitting. They have no idea. They just, like you said, they just uh, assume, well, this person has done all of the things that they need to do to be the person taking care of me. And, uh, you know, they could potentially be very, very wrong now. So tell me what, what exactly, how do I want to phrase this? So, so tell me more about your platform, what you're running on. I love that it's grassroots that I, you know, these are, these are my, my favorite platforms. Um, because it's so real and it's so connected to who we really are as as communities and as people. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your platform, some of the things that you want to see happen um, as a congresswoman.
1: Yeah, well, I've built it from a high level on the values of truth, justice and unity in America, and those have been, you know, again, overused terms and a good theme to my campaign is going to be using those terms and turning them back on exactly what the left is trying to say. But they're not fulfilling those things. So I think when it comes, I've gotten some pushback on the justice and unity. Everybody loves truth. But um, with unity, you know, you hear Biden say, you know, I when he takes office, I seek not to divide, but to unite. And I would say our country is the most disunited country I've ever I've ever experienced. And yep. so, but I don't think you can just push unity on people. You have to have truth and justice, true truth and justice, to be able mm-hmm. to have unity in our country. And you can't just push justice and get rid of and censor certain aspects of truth. So related to those things, you know, I'm going to be talking about COVID. I'm going to talk about election integrity. I'm going to talk about these things that I think we're, we are being censored on related to truth. But also Mm -hmm. related to justice, you know, I am a Republican. I'm very anti-abortion. I think that's an injustice that we are seeing Mm -hmm. in our community that's not talked about as an injustice necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. And related to that, I think that Republicans get a lot of, um, you know, pushback from the left related to, well, you don't care about the baby once they're born or you don't care about the mother. Mm -hmm. But I think that that is just not true. One, there's right. so many pregnancy resource centers that I think we could definitely designate money to rather than Planned Parenthood that does help the mom and does help the baby. And I believe in helping the adoption process not be so expensive and not be so you know, challenging to do. But specifically mm-hmm. something that I think might resonate with you, and I'm curious to know your feedback on this, is there was a Democrat bill um, in 1994 called the Crime Bill. And it sounds really good if you just kind of like read through it real quick, even as a Republican, because they're really, mm-hmm. you know, labeling it as like we want to stop violent crime. But there's mm-hmm. these little, you know, nuances within the bill that you really have to dig for that go mm-hmm. down into stuff like the weight of cocaine that someone possesses is directly affecting what the consequences of the action is. So if you mm-hmm. have a certain amount of weight then you could potentially have life in prison or even there's a certain ex- certain number of times that this can happen that you could even get the death penalty. I'm not sure if that's actually getting pushed. No. There's a certain level of just having a certain amount of cocaine on you. And unfortunately, you know, I've heard this from multiple black people that, you know, if in the lower income neighborhoods, they smoke mm-hmm. crack cocaine, which none of this mm-hmm. is good, but it's mm-hmm. all bad say. And so crack cocaine is a mixture. So it has a heavier weight, whereas, you know, the pure form of cocaine is going to be a lot lighter. But I would argue as a nurse, it's a lot more Mm -hmm. pungent to the system. It could kill you immediately by taking it. So I think we need to dig into these things that the Democrats have done kind of under wraps. And David Mm -hmm. Price, the incumbent, and Biden voted and pushed this bill forward. It was a Democrat bill. And I think we need to bring light to the fact that the Democrats are not trying to help the minorities. They are not trying to help the lower income people. They're trying to help the elite and the tech, the tech geniuses of today. I just saw mm-hmm. a meme where it talked about like the 10 people that were, say, billionaires now are trillionaires and they're mm. all white men. Like mm. they're preaching this. We're helping the minorities. We're helping the women. Right. But they're not. It's disgusting no. and it's full of lies. And we need to, again, flip the script and show that Republicans are the are the party for minorities. If you have mm-hmm. a pure democracy, well, they're the minority. So if we start voting on just numbers, the white men are going to win. Right. And so right. I'm not against white men. I'm just for Republic and I'm for the people. And I think sure. every person should have a voice. And so when it comes to injustices, I really want to dig into those those truths and talk about how we can really bring justice in America.
0: Oh, that is so appreciated and, and so needed. And, you know, once again, I, I find myself like nodding so hard, my neck is going to break because I, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with you so much on, on what you're saying. And, you know, the, what people keep failing to realize is what we've been saying for quite some time here. If you look at all of these cities that are in absolute peril, uh, over, you know, ridden with crime, these are Democrat run. Cities And the truth of the the hard truth of the matter is, is that the Democrats do not want people to come out from underneath their thumbs. They don't want them out of poverty. They don't want them to succeed. They don't want that because if they do, they won't need them anymore. And the sooner that the people in these communities would understand this and realize this and realize that Republicans are not the enemy. You know, I think everybody has this uh, outdated view of Republicans as, you know, stodgy, ancient, old white men. Uh, running the world. And yes, that was pretty much true for a long period of time. But now we have the Courtney Gills of the world coming in and saying, no, 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 no. This is not how it's going to be. <laughs> and uh, there's so many um, young, if you don't mind me calling you young, nobody should be insulted by being called young, good. right? Young is good. Young is good. <laughs> I'm 31 um, for anybody
1: who wants to know. <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah. So you're still a baby to me, you know, <laughs> but, um, but you know, a very accomplished baby, more accomplished than Thank I you. am. So, you know, no, no, no. disrespect I- intended there at all. <laughs> um, but you know, you have this, and this is what's so exciting to me to watch, to see these new, young, um, authentic and real, people, everyday people coming in and saying, no, 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 this is not how it's going to be run anymore. Um, we're coming in and we're going to do this, right. We're going to fix all of the things, you know, it's going to take time and it's going to be really, really hard, but I, I see y'all rolling up your sleeves and, and ready to, to attack it. And I, I think that is exactly what we need. Um, here, here's probably an almost unanswerable question and, and no pressure or anything, but <laughs> um, do I like you these ever, guys. good. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you ever see, cause I don't, I'm going to preface and say, I don't see it right now. Do you think mm-hmm. there's ever going to be a time where Democrats, the, the Democrats of today, um, uh, is there ever going to be unity? Are we ever going to meet in the middle and actually work together i mean because we have such you know I, I think we're i think conservatives and republicans are actually as a whole the modern conservative republican is somewhat of a moderate you know we're, mm-hmm. we're not going to touch certain things but we're we're going hard for the core values that that are really important and matter um Boy, oh boy, the left has leaned so far that they're not even standing. You know what I mean? It's so insane. How do we meet in the middle with people like this? I I don't understand it. I don't know how. Any any ideas?
1: I think that there are genuine Democrats that really want to say help. I mean, I've gone to church with people who will adamantly argue that the Democrat Party is better than the Republican Party, and I don't see Mm -hmm. that. But I do think there are genuine Democrats who love the Lord and they love people and they see where the Democrat Party likes to say give money or give help to people who are hurting and that's a biblical value. Personally, mm-hmm. I feel like the church needs to stop. Money is going to go towards that. It's going to go if a Democrat is in power. It's going to go to Planned Parenthood and that's disgusting to me. If a yes. Republican mm-hmm. is in role. It's probably going to go to something that a Democrat doesn't want their taxes going towards. So why can't Mm -hmm. we decrease taxes, decrease the power of the federal government and give the power to the people where they can give their money where they choose? But as far as your answer to can we have unity, I do think there are probably I mean, we see this with Manchin. We see this with, you know, other Democrats that really Mm -hmm. are seeing. They're seeing probably the points that I'm making right now. Like, we do want to help these immigrants, but we want to prevent the spread of COVID. You know, let's be logical Mm -hmm. about this. Let's not spend, you know, 3 to $5 trillion when we're already in debt. There's some logic in some Democrats, and I'm fine with that. Like, I'm fine with Mm -hmm. us having a little difference of opinion because that's just, I believe, to the answer of your question, it boils down to my personal worldview is that we're all sinners. And we're Mm -hmm. all going to have flaws and we're all going to have different opinions and we're all reflecting God differently. Um, So there's Mm -hmm. good and bad Mm -hmm. in that. And so I do think there's some Democrats that you can work with that Mm -hmm. do create some kind of unity because it's almost like iron sharpening iron where we can give each other different perspectives. And I do Mm -hmm. believe if we can actually push the truth out and actually make it known, you're going to see some unity in different parties. Where I don't think that we're going to see unity is just that ultimate worldview of we have a lot of sinners who want power, want money, and could care Mm -hmm. less about the people, but they dress it up like they care about people to get that power. So the Mm -hmm. only way we really fight that is by um, exposing those people. And so I don't think we're going to ultimately have perfect unity but i do think we need to strive for unity because we're the united states of america and that's why we've had mm-hmm. strength for so long
0: i like that that gives that gives me hope that gives me a, a promise of a of a better future knowing that that people like you and even people like you on the opposite side of the fence uh, on the de- democrat side that are want the same things even if they're slightly different you know um, mm-hmm. views or ways to get there so that's a good feeling mm-hmm. um yeah. Tell me, or actually tell everybody, how can uh, how can we find you? Where can we see you next? How can we support you?
1: Yeah, well, my website is com. So if you're local, I would say even with an hour's driving distance and you want to help a blue, flip a blue seat, go to my website and sign up to volunteer. We are going to need lots of volunteers. I have so many ideas on how to really outreach the community because this is going to have to be a very manual effort um, because the news is not helping us. So as far as locations, also if you're local, they're going to have a, it's still considered District 4 because that's what it previously was, but they're going to have a district meeting on January 27th at the Durham GOP headquarters where we're going to have a little bit of a town hall debate with the primary candidates. So if you're local and want to come to that, I would surely appreciate it. But also if everyone that's listening can follow me on social media, on everything, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Getter. I am at Courtney Gills and then Facebook, it's Courtney Gills for Congress. So I really appreciate the time and I hope we can work together to flip this seat and, you know, bring unity back to our country.
0: Outstanding. Courtney, thank you so, so much for coming on, taking time out of your day to chat with me. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to see everything that you're going to do. I have have lots of faith in you and high hopes. So best of luck to you and uh, we're going to keep watching you. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Take care. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Isn't she amazing? Absolutely love her. Get over on social media, all of your social media platforms. Go follow her, show her some support and uh, share. Do all of the things like follow, share all of the good things. And uh, let's get this country back on track together. Huh? Thanks for watching today. We'll see you soon. Bye bye.